Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Courtney Omernick, and you're listening to Mock Interview, where we bring in job seekers and an industry professional and have them conduct a mock interview. At the end of the interview, we'll give the job seeker helpful tips for how to improve their interviewing technique. Today, we have Marianne Beckman, Director of Student Services at Arrowhead High School, and she'll be interviewing Delaney Fenwick, a student at UW-Whitewater studying to be a special education teacher. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind our listeners that after the mock interview has been completed, we will reserve some time for Marianne to give Delaney some feedback, and I will interject with my own questions and observations. So Marianne, whenever you're ready, feel free to start. All right. Well, welcome, Delaney. Delaney, you are interviewing for our opening for a cross-categorical special education teacher. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay. Hello. My name is Delaney Fenwick. I am a senior at UW-Whitewater. I will be student teaching in the fall, and I am from originally Broadhead, Wisconsin, I love working with students, I love being outside, I love to read, and I've had multiple experiences with um, students at the higher level and at the lower level, including elementary, middle, and a residential placement with students who were um, placed at the MPS school and then they were at a change to a different placement. I'm eager to um, begin my teaching experiences and I'm looking forward to being in the classroom and learning more. All right. Well, thank you, Delaney. Delaney, can you tell me what is it about this position that interests you? This is a high school opening, by the way. Okay. Um, The position interests me because there's just a wealth of knowledge to um, give and learn about my students. I think every new position is all very different. So I'm, I love to learn and grow as a teacher. Um, I think it interests me because I like to be with all different types of students. So even students that might need help with um, the transitioning out of high school and then the, the social skills to get a job or get um, into college. I think that's really interesting how all, there's all different types of students. And um, I'm really interested to work with all of their ability levels and their interests and see where we can grow from there. Okay. Thank you, Delaney. Um, When you're working with students, and I know you're still new to the field, how do you motivate students to persevere with challenging assignments or tasks? Um, That's a great question. I think it's really good that students need to be motivated because especially students who have a disability, they are always most of the time either lacking the motivation because they think they can't do it. Um, I think it's important to get to know my students. So it would be helpful, you know, if the assignment somewhat, if it doesn't really interest the student, I could adapt it to maybe like how it could be interesting to them. Um, if they're really having a tough time with the assignment, we can take short breaks. So I would think it, it might be motivating for the student to take do part of the assignment, and then we could take a break, and they could do something that would really interest them, maybe go on the computer, and then they could come back to the assignment. Um, also, if the assignment is really struggling, 
um, maybe they could leave the environment and then come back. Um, it just depends on different situations. I just know to motivate my students, I always like to look at their strengths instead of their weaknesses and also see what they're really interested in and kind of get to know them. It really helps, I think, before, like when you have a difficult situation when they're struggling. That is very true. All right. So you do, so you build upon strengths and interests. And that is, is that how you would describe how you build a rapport with the students to get started? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To get started, I would say I would um, build, find their strengths and find their interests and kind of get to know them. And also so they could get to know me a little bit, like at the beginning of the school year. I think that's really important. Can you give an example with a high school student? How might you find out what their interests are? Um, if a student if I wouldn't be able to meet with them at the beginning of the year, I could probably go to a different school teacher and see like what their interest, um, if they're in really interested in their history class or if they're involved in any extracurricular activities. Um, uh, sometimes they might not be forthcoming telling me what they are involved in, but if I just walk around the school and see, Oh, there's a picture of Johnny and the basketball team, then I could really know that he likes basketball. Um, some also maybe just a short questionnaire um, of a parent letter home. It kind of depends, but I would probably use my resources around the school and in the community. Okay, thank you. Do you reward students after they've successfully completed a challenging assignment, a challenging task? Yes, I think positive reinforcement is very important. Um, simple as it can be just like a great job or a piece of candy or, you know, whatever really gets them motivated. Um, if they're not really rewarded, sometimes they don't think what's really up for them. So I think that I really do like to reward my students as much as I can. Okay. And I, I can see how that's important to build that up. But then how do you instill that intrinsic motivation piece into them over time versus always being dependent on that extrinsic reward coming? Right. Um, that's a great question. I probably, I guess I haven't had too much experience with trying to figure out the intrinsic motivation, but have talking with other um, teachers in the field, I know that they don't want, they have told me not to rely on, like you said, the exterior motivators. Mm -hmm. So I think the, to get the students, you know, motivated where they want to actually learn the stuff instead of having to like learn it and then go play their game, whereas it's, you know, benefiting them. So maybe once they see if it's actually helping them in the future or helping them, like they actually are enjoying it, then they might keep at it instead of having to return to the exterior motivators. Excellent. Thank you. Um, have you collaborated with general education teachers to benefit the students that you've worked with in the past? Yes, I have. I've had multiple experiences with that. My recent experience um, has been a collaboration field in, the, in a middle school I was working with a me and another gen ed student. We worked, um, we were co-teaching in the classroom, and then we also collaborated with the gen ed 
English arts teacher. She um, helped us with the lesson plans and helped us with the students' strengths and weaknesses and how they can improve. I think it's really important to, um, you need to have good communication with the students, gen ed teachers, so they can figure out what their um, strengths are in the classroom and how they can improve with other students and also how we can communicate back and forth to each other. Um, I think also um, another experience I have had is working with um, a high school student and his math teacher, and we were doing an FBA and figuring out some FBA and BAP and figuring out what his um, sources, the reasons for the behavior and like what the teacher has already used in the classroom. That's, I just think it's really important to ask this teacher what the interventions they've already used. You're not reusing them and the student isn't going to go anywhere, either improving their behavior or in their um, academics. Okay. As you've worked with these general ed teachers, um, you gave some very specific examples that was helpful on collaboration. Have you been involved in any co-teaching experience? Um, just one experience. I was co-teaching with another gen ed teacher. Um, we were both students, and it was a great experience. I would love to co-teach in the future. I think it's really important before the um, we begin the teaching process that we kind of get to know each other a little bit and see, like, what our um, teaching styles are and what our beliefs are in classroom management because if you're constricting on that, then you're not really going to um, help the students. You're kind of going to, it's going to do the opposite. So I think that was, it was very beneficial for me and we both had a great experience with it. Um, we both didn't have any conflicts, but we had learned, you know, how to work through them if we needed to. So I, in the future, I feel very confident in working with all different types of teachers and getting to know them and co-teaching with them. Excellent. Have you, has your whitewater training prepared you on some of the different models, the different types of co-teaching? Yes, they have. Um, we were taught to um, not always rely on the one teach, one assist, because then the the special education teacher might get left behind. Um, I found beneficial in our classroom when we co-taught was stations a lot. The students really liked that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also just the, when we were both standing up in front of the classroom, the back and forth dialogue, um, the students really caught on to our co-teaching. And I would like to learn more about it, even though I've only had one, this only one experience, but I still feel confident um, going into the classroom and co-teaching with another teacher, um, but I would not want to rely on just one or two styles, so then this, it wouldn't, you would want to, like, mix it up. Mm-hmm. That's a great attitude, Elaine. You hold on to that one. <laughs> That's good. Um, through one more on the co-teaching piece, because it's just so important right now make sure you're getting the content in there together. Would you envision just working with the students um, who require special education services in those co-taught environments, or would you envision supporting all the kids? 
Um, even though I am certified to work with students with disabilities, I envision working with all the students in the classroom because then I feel um, they see both of us as um, required and required teachers in the classroom and that we have the same expertise. I wouldn't want the students with disabilities to be um, excluded or to be, you know, other students to show like, oh, they need that small group and one-on-one -on -one attention from that teacher. Like she's a special ed teacher. I would like to, um, with my co-teacher, we could differentiate in the classroom and uh, mix up the groups. I, I think that's really important. So no one's, all of the students are kind of seeing like they're here to help everyone and not just these students. Right. Good. I um, guess I do have one more on that one. How, as you enter into buildings, you've had, it sounds like you've got the solid training behind you. You've got the, the attitude is excellent. What would you do if you encounter a colleague who perhaps has been in the field for a longer amount of time? You approach them to do some co-teaching and they ask you, why? What would be the benefit? Um, that's a great question. I think you could show them some, I would show them some research behind co-teaching and show them the benefit of that's helped students in the past. And I would tell them that it's going to help, excuse me, that it's going to help all students and not just students with a disability. Um, I think when you have two teachers in the classroom and then say you have 25 students, you can spread your um, wealth of knowledge with a lot of students and you can do a lot of different things. And it's a lot, I, w I mean, it's not easy always co-teaching, but I would say it's kind of helpful and it's also fun. I think when you get to know the teacher, you can do a lot of different things like I said, in the classroom, such as small groups or stations or um, work with just one group in the whole class. So I think I could tell the teacher it's going to benefit her and I. She might not see it as it's benefiting her right away, him or her right away, but I think she would um, learn how to teach in a different way and grow as an individual. Okay, thank you, Delaney. I, I, I promise I'm done with, with co-teaching now, <laughs> but thank you. Those are great answers, very specific. How have you, well, we're going to shift a little bit over to that parental piece, and we have parents who are very involved, which is very mm -hmm. nice to have. Um, how do you encourage the parental involvement in student learning? Um, I, in the past, I've just worked with students um, parents, you know, very minimal, maybe sending a letter home, introducing myself, or meeting them at a parent-teacher conference. But in the future, I would like to really get to know my parents and get to know them, like, either meet them before the school year starts or just send a letter home, like a questionnaire. Um, I think it's important so I can get the families, um, you know, figure out who they are students at home who they are before the school year starts because that can help in the classroom and see like how their beliefs about the, their child's education um, and if they're interested in anything. And also, once you get to know them at the beginning of the year, then they might be more eager to join in your classroom if you need extra help or like if you're, if you have a extracurricular um, activity going on that the student is involved in and that I can be involved in. Um, I think that's great just to get to know them at the beginning of the year 
um, send a questionnaire, either send a phone call. Um, I know some parents might not have email, but that's also another way of communicating with them to see what they would like to be involved in in the classroom and how their student is doing in the classroom as well. So I would say, you know, different ways of communicating and trying to get to know them as soon as I can. Good, good. How um how do you or how would you envision? Sometimes parents get for good reasons. They're you know they're afraid their child's going to fail. They've um, you know they've been with them for the long haul, so they they really know their kids so well. How do you get them to back off a little bit? Like when you hear comments like "We worked all night on our homework," what would you say to a parent mm-hmm. on that? Um, that's a great question. I would say. Um, well, hopefully the student worked all night on their homework and you were just assisting them. Um, I guess I, oh, maybe something to think about, huh? Yep. I think I would <laughs> yep. just have to think about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine. Okay. We're going to take a look now on, um, all those supports. As you know, all the kids on your caseload are going to have totally different types of supports. How will you ensure that each student receives the right type of support? Um, well, I will make sure that, especially through the IP process, that they have received the correct support that they need. And then also, um, you know, visiting if they're going to different teachers or, you know, going, obviously, leaving my classroom, um, making sure that they're receiving them as much as I can by asking the teacher, um, seeing how they're doing. Also, like, if the student, depending on their um, ability level, I would maybe have give them, like, a checklist if they would be returning back to my classroom or someone else's classroom to see, like, a possibly check and check out to see, yes, they've been here, yes, they've received this today. Um, I think just communicating with the other teachers would be um, appropriate and checking in with them to see how um, it went. Okay, good. Now, would you, you could end up with some students that there's instructional assistants who are working under you and supporting some of the students. How would you, like, what words of advice would you pass on to those instructional assistants or paraprofessionals um, on how to help kids be as independent as possible? Um, that's a great question. I think it's good to have that, um, relationship, a good relationship with the paraprofessionals and communicate properly properly with them. Um, I would probably make sure, obviously they would have the training they would need to have before the school year started and just to touch base and either communicate personally or like in a notebook and see, you know, what went well in their session and how they each did. And probably just um, if they're in my classroom, maybe keep an eye on them. And if for some reason a student isn't being as independent as they should be, maybe make a note um, after they worked or maybe just pop in right away and say, hey, how about you do, how about Johnny does this one first by himself and then, you know, he has any problems, and then after that, if there's any more problems, her and I could probably talk together about how independent the student should be. Okay, thank you.
Delaney, can you tell me about positive behavioral supports you've implemented? Um, I really highly think of PBIS. Um, in the past, I haven't implemented too much of it. Um, just one experience in the classroom, but the students, students all um, were under, they all <laughs> follow the same rules, the classroom rules, the school rules, there was lunchroom and bathroom rules, and um, a few students in the classroom that I worked with had a, their one-on-one support was like a checkout like a checklist at the end of the classroom to make sure they did certain things like brought the right materials and brought, um, were, had the appropriate behavior that they were working on. Um, like I said, I really haven't worked too much with it, but next in my student teaching experience, they have, um, a great model and I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, thank you guys so much. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to have Marianne um, go ahead first and provide Delaney with some feedback on how the interview went. All right. Okay, Delaney, I thought, I love your attitude. If you're interested in our area, <laughs> let me know. I thought when you, you opened up on that first question of telling me about yourself, that was a little weak in that you didn't give enough specifics. But then okay. as the interview went on, you gave a lot of specifics, which was good. And that was very helpful to gain an understanding of where you're at and what your background, what your training is also. So that, that really became a strong point for you as the interview went on. I greatly appreciated your honesty and how mm-hmm. you kept saying things like, well, I will, I'll think on that or I know where I'll be student teaching. I'll be working under a model that I'll learn more with that. And I think that's just perfect because too often people think they have to have every answer and you can't. Uh-huh. So I, I thought that was good and just your okay. enthusiasm shines through. Good. Perfect. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and add a little bit. I had basically some of the same written down here, some of the same comments that Marianne gave. Just one thing that I think a lot of people have problems with when it comes to interviews is using verbal fillers, like um and uh and that sort of thing. And I know when I was interviewing for positions, that's a big problem that I had. So my only tip to you, Delaney, on far is like the negative side of this interview. I don't even know if you want to call it negative because it was really good. (laughs) But just try and watch those because I think it's better if you just take a pause. I know it's really hard because then it kind of looks like you don't know what you're talking about. But if you just take a pause, take a breath, it's, it's better than using one of those verbal fillers. And overall, I just thought that you you had a plan and concrete examples for just like Marianne said, every question that was thrown at you that you knew something about. You s- said specifically, okay, well, I've done X, Y, Z, but even in the questions that you struggled with, if I haven't done X, Y, Z, here's what I'm, here's my plan and here's what I'm going to do. And I think the only question where you kind of paused was with the example where, well, we worked all night 
night on this homework. What are we supposed to do? And I think what Marianne kind of threw in there was just saying, oh, that's something, you know, I'll have to get back to you on. You know, is that correct? I think that's like a perfect answer. Like, oh, Uh I'm not really sure right now, but I, I can get back to you. Or even going back to what you said previously in the interview about how you communicate really well with other teachers and collaborations, a big thing. Maybe go ahead and use some of those examples and say, you know, I would talk to, I don't really know on that question. So I would have to talk to someone who's more experienced in the field and see if they've had that problem and maybe see what they've done. Um, Just something like that. But overall, I think it was really great, you guys. So that wraps up this episode of Mock Interview. And many thanks to Mary Ann Beckman from Arrowhead High School and Delaney Fenwick from UW-Whitewater. I would like to take this final moment to encourage our listeners to continue listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, this has been Courtney Amernick for localjobnetwork.com radio. Thank you for tuning into today's program.